1: Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon & Partners. Gordon & Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow Knight. Trust Gordon & Partners for the injured.
2: Hello, Night Nation. Trace Trolco here in St. Louis. This is the Sons of UCF Live. And since UCF men's basketball won, that means UCF Mike is a no-show. But Adam is here. Hello, Adam.
1: The Mike thing is a coincidence. He's uh, He's got other engagements this uh, evening. It's, it's a really yeah. big coincidence, I promise you all.
2: Yeah. He Hello. wasn't here last week either, right? And UCF had defeated SMU in the conference Correct.
1: tournament. Yes, I'm, just engagement. I'm
2: just saying, I follow his Twitter,
1: Although he's apparently watching somewhere because this is his comment, not mine, even though it's under our name.
2: (laughs) Need need more resources. Of course, uh, we're talking about uh, UCF uh, defeating the Florida Gators 67-49 in the first round of the NIT. Uh, Adam, uh, it's great to beat a Florida Gator.
1: It is, Trace, but can I be honest with you? It's just you and I talking here at this point. Can I be honest with you for a second? That game frustrated me because we played really well. We had a ton of energy, a ton of defensive acumen. Guys were making shots. You know, there seemed like a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of connectiveness, good passes, sound, fundamental basketball. But it just makes me pull my hair out because we couldn't do that throughout the season. Where was that in two games against the Where Where is that? You know, in the AAC tournament, that's what's frustrating is they actually put it together. They came out with energy. They came out with with some drive, some passion. You could kind of feel it on the court. And Taylor Hendricks was phenomenal. And you just wish you could have seen that more consistently throughout the season because they can put it together on a night when they need to. What they did on on Wednesday. But, man, if we could have seen that throughout the year, it would have been a much different season.
2: Who has really been on a roll of late is C.J. Kelly. And uh, not to make excuses, but, you know, he's dealt with some some back issues uh, through the season and that's hindered his play. But he has been on a roll of late. And You mentioned Taylor Hendricks. Much better game than he had just five points against Memphis in the A C tournament last week. Uh, One, two punch, 21 points for C.J. Kelly, 17 for Taylor. Uh, And the Knights, uh, you know, really after the slow start rolled to victory here.
1: Yeah, I think Johnny's found something and it's a little late perhaps, but he said in the postgame presser, I know Leo's waiting to hop on and he can maybe share some more light on that. But he said he moved C.J. to the ball, right, on the ball. And, you know, Darius Johnson has been struggling a little bit on the offensive side, um, some turnovers, some some sort of ill time mistakes. And he put C.J. Kelly on the ball, and I really like that move because C.J. can handle the ball, he can break down his defender, he can get to the hoop, he can score, get fouled. I really like his action on the ball, and, and maybe Johnny went to that a little too late in the season. But I think when he has the ball in his hands, C.J. Kelly is a, as, as a, fanta- a f- fantastic player. Every time he has a choice, I, I can't imagine how he's going to get to the rim, but he does every time. And then I'm, I'm thinking there's no way he's going to make this shot, and he makes it every time as well. So I really like that, that switch, little, maybe too little too late here, but I love C.J. Kelly on the ball.
2: Talking about the offense, and you mentioned Leo. Leo, one of two UCF beat reporters in the room up in Gainesville, and asked Coach Dawkins to comment a little bit more about the offense. Well, I mean,
0: everyone guards a different way, and definitely we want to balance our offense out, as you just said right there. We definitely want to balance what we do. Uh, But, you know, I thought, you know, just some opportunities presented themselves, and our guys really took advantage of it. You know, they saw some openings, and we were able to get to the basket and finish or or make plays. And that's how we like to play, as you mentioned. So kind of went with what we wanted to do. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought C.J. Kelly, I thought he was was terrific. Uh, You know, when I put him on the ball, you know, in part of the second half, I just – Orchestrating what we were trying to do, as well as, you know, playing for a lot of composure. And I think we ran a lot of things through him and our offense. And you know, I thought, you know, really started to, you know, get lifted when he started, you know, making the plays with the basketball.
2: Leo, with that question, you know, Leo on spring break in real South Florida made the commute up to Gainesville uh, to cover this for the Sons of UCF. And we'll bring Leo in now to break down this win over the Gators. Leo, you've been putting a little miles
3: on the car this week. Sure have. But, you know, I texted you about it when I found out the news that they would you know, make the NIT and I didn't think twice about it. I was like, you know what? I have to go back to Gainesville. This is home. This is my hometown. It just makes too much sense. I couldn't miss out on the opportunity. And obviously, you know, bringing you guys coverage, uh, bringing the viewers coverage as well as something I wanted to do. I want to jump off
2: of Adam's. Point earlier, they're saying frustrated. Where has been this night's team? You know, 19 and 14 now struggles, you know, the single digit losses. Uh, They're really rolling over uh, what was not a very good Gator performance.
3: Yeah, to me, that is one question I really wish I asked Coach Dawkins. There's a lot of media. uh, Obviously, one of those questions was, you know, he had a lot of things to battle with, with the the injuries and, and to Michael Durr and Darius Johnson. And he was just trying to figure out something, a formula that would work with those guys out. And then when they finally came in, when Durr and Johnson came in, he started implementing what he's doing now, even though they had a little bit of a tough stretch at the end of the season, I still think that they were able to basically, you know, get what they needed for was from the offense. And, and they did, you know, aside from the USF loss, they uh, beat uh, East Carolina in a convincing fashion, and you know they went on uh, to the tournament. BSMU and took care of business. They gave, they gave Memphis a pretty good game, you know. Um, so yeah, I think I think it was just a matter of getting the whole gang back together and and you know implementing. It.
2: Well, who was stymied in that uh, Memphis game was Taylor Hendricks with just five points. He came on much stronger uh, in this victory over Florida. And we've been saying it, especially uh, over these last couple of uh, months, how enjoyable it is to watch him play. And he put on quite the performance in Gainesville.
3: Yeah. Taylor, man, um, he's going to be special. I, I mean, i sure you guys saw the uh, the question I asked Todd Golden about Taylor or actually it was actually Brandon. I asked the, the question, but posted it up and uh, and you know, he's he's a great, he's he's a humble kid. You know, after in the in the press conference, he was also asked some pretty tough questions uh from the Gainesville media and he handled it like a pro. And uh, you know, obviously it's his game that everybody's raving about. He had uh 20, I mean, uh 17 points, eight rebounds, and it was a light performance. I mean, I didn't see, you know, the team leaning on Taylor to get it done. And he, you know, he performed like like uh like he's been doing all season, which is great.
1: I don't know if those were tough questions. Those may have been dumb questions, but I'm not sure they were. They were tough questions. Um, Snarky, at least. Yeah, help, yeah. So you you were there, obviously. Uh, from my TV screen, it looked like UCF had come out with a lot more energy, particularly in the defensive side of the ball, than I've seen in a couple of weeks now. Did you feel that as well? Would you did you sense that or see that? You know, from your perspective in the arena.
3: Yes, I think that this is a Knights team that this is the Knights team that we saw in the first half of the season when they were playing that. High intensity defense—that's what I saw from them, from the from the get go. Um, and obviously, you know, they started out a little slow. They were up; uh, the Gators are up nine to two, and that didn't, you know, you know, phase them at, at all. You know, they got back to uh, on the offensive side, but they also made key uh, steals when they needed to, and uh, they forced those turnovers, that, which really helped them. And I think that that's that's what I saw. I saw the first half of the season nights back at it again.
1: We were talking before, uh, before you hopped in about CJ Kelly and sort of becoming the primary ball handler now down the stretch. What do you think of that move? I, obviously, Darius has had some struggles at times um, defensively. I think he played a really nice game against Florida, but he's had some struggles with the press, with some turnovers. What do you what do you think about that? About that move having CJ on the ball late in the game.
3: I think it's the experience that CJ has, not so much that I've seen. You know, I've seen CJ turn the ball over many times this season. Um, some frustrating turnovers and. And I just think it's the experience that CJ has over Darius. As you guys saw, Darius had another flagrant last night. You know, it's about having a leader control the ball and uh, move it around. Although, you know, sometimes Darius has it and he needs to grow. Darius needs to grow. So, you know, if he needs to have the ball for a minute, um, I'm sure Coach Dawkins doesn't mind, you know, him handling the ball. But CJ Kelly's uh, experience just puts him – in a prime position to, you know, carry the team and not have to worry about, oh, well, you don't want to put Darius in a situation where he's, you know, uh, struggling. So um, I think that's the the experience.
2: We talked about CJ and Taylor, Ithiel Horton, 12 points, four rebounds, three steals. You just never know what you're going to get from Ithiel. (laughs) If he's going to make anything at all on a given night, maybe shut out in the first half and come on strong in a second half. I think they need a good performance from him now that they move on to Oregon. The Ducks beating UC Irvine Knights playing there on Sunday.
3: Yeah, uh, it's funny because I did a little bit of research on Oregon season. Um, they are basically had a Knights like season in the Pac-12. They're 20 and 14. You know, they had a, a lot of losses, but they're they're one of those teams that you know when they're when they're together and they're playing cohesive basketball like. The Knights do, you know, I think they're going to give us a a run for our money and not to mention they're actually number one seed uh, in the, the, you know, in the NIT right now. So um, it's not going to be a, an an opponent that's uh, not familiar with Johnny Dawkins, you know, coming from Stanford. So I think, uh, I think that coach Dawkins is going to be a very, very smart, um, very smart coach going into that, into that matchup.
2: What's an intangible that maybe we're not talking about that you're going to be looking for in Sunday's uh, matchup? That's a 7:30 game on Sunday on ESPNU.
3: I think it's easy. I think that if UCF can continue to attack the paint, if they focus on attacking the paint or exploit exploiting whatever Oregon's weaknesses is, they're going to – UCF is going to be a tough out. Like, they're going to be right there with them just because – our shooting has been great all season. You see our uh, three-point shooting was the best in the conference. So I think avoiding, I've said this all season, and I, you know, I feel like I broke a record when I say this, but do not get into those scoring droughts. I didn't see that much with the Gators. We did not get into a scoring drought of three, four minutes. You know, we, As soon as the Gators put on a run, we were responding back quickly. And that's something we need to look out for. But the points in the paint is going to be very, very key. So I I look for for that to be uh, uh, very active. The pain, you know, having the guards crash the boards as well, uh, driving to the basket.
1: All right, Leo, let's talk gossip. Uh, Jalen Young decides to enter the transfer portal, puts his name in before UCF gets selected to the NIT. I don't know if he didn't suspect that would happen. Obviously now it's playing with the Knights, but it's going to be in the portal. How surprised were you to see Jalen put his name in the portal?
3: Um, not awfully surprised just because of, of how he's been utilized. Uh, I think Jalen Young is, is a player that, you know, he, he bets on his talent. He thinks very highly of his game. And, uh, you know, rightfully so, I think all player, all players should, you know, look for a, a place where they're, you know, wanted as that number one guy. And obviously, I don't know if Jalen is going to be that number one guy next season. Um, so, you know, I think there's a learning experience for him to put his name in early. And realize like, hey, uh, it's not over till it's over type deal because I don't think anybody was expecting uh, UCF to be in the NIT. But, you know, it's just a learning experience. And I think Jalen learned from that. And I don't think it changes anything. I think he'll still, you know, he'll still transfer. But, um, you know, I'm sure he talked to Coach Dawkins about it and he'll be okay.
1: Let's, let's wallow in the Gators' tears for a second. Uh, obviously, a sparsely attended game to begin with. How quiet did that building get, Leo, as that went on and UCF put up points? How satisfying was that for you as a Knights fan to see uh, both of the Gators fans sad and upset as that thing continued to wind down?
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, you guys know, um, I, Gainesville's my hometown. I grew up in Gainesville, and I grew up watching Billy Donovan. I'm talking about from 2003 to 2015 when he left. That's the, these are home games. I used to go to the SEC home games packed crowd. Even even in turn NIT tournaments, they would fill it up more than what it was last night. And to me, I was wow, like this this UF, uh, Uf athletics right now is it's not so hot. and it all falls back on Scott Strickland. and you know we gotta we gotta clarify that. I think it's pretty objective. It's not an opinion um football and basketball it's not an opinion (laughs) no it's not I I, I don't I mean I don't think so it's fact it is what it is I think UF fans just need to accept the truth basketball (laughs) is not where it needs to be and football is not where it needs to be and that's where they're at right now and I think it's very enjoyable for UCF and I think for Terry Mohajer it's time to attack you have this window right now if you're Timo you have this window you attack this window You see a flagship program that's down, right? As UCF, this is prime. This is your prime. And I think we're doing a a pretty good job of, you know, doing that. You know, we're beating them when we need to beat them, right? UCF has been, uh, you know, Christian Simmons tweeted out uh, today, seven and three in the last uh, three years against the Gators in different sports. So, I think you know it, it's, it all falls on, on you know, Timo, and I think he's, he's going to do a good
2: job, and it's, it's all eyes on him, really. Leo with a hot take here on Sons of UCF wow. Live. been crisscrossing the state covering things for uh, UCF, uh, UCF Athletics for the Sons of UCF, and his recap of the game against the Gators is now on the Sons' YouTube channel. Leo, thanks for all of your travels this week, and I will see you out at uh, campus sometime in the next week for something, baseball or something. I got
3: you. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks,
2: Leo. Thank you, Leo. Uh, Yeah, he's put on the miles, uh, his new story up on uh, Sun's YouTube channel. Uh, Let's continue this conversation uh, about the Knights win with a former UCF men's basketball player, Ben Stout, uh, who joins us now live. Ben,
4: uh, we're reunited uh, on a show. It's good to see you, sir. Yeah, it's good to see you guys both. I'm sorry. It's a little bit dark. I'm in my truck here at the Ale House off of West Colonial. Uh, she plugged there I... for the Ale House.
1: Come on she's by and see Ben at the West Colonial know, Ale right? House. All yeah.
4: right, <laughs> nah, yeah. My wife and I got a rare and kind of random kid-free night, so we figured we'd go watch some uh, basketball games.
2: And she's pleased that you're spending 10 minutes of it with him and I. Yeah, but yeah, I said, you know, How exciting was it for you to see the night's dispatch of
4: the Gators in Gainesville? Uh, it, was, it was just it was just fantastic to watch. Not only, not only them getting that um, kind of extra chance, but just really, really making the most of that extra chance. And, and you know, anytime that you can beat the Gators are great, but um, beating them out on their, on their home floor in a postseason environment. Um, I was really hoping that they would come out strong like that um, and, and play the defense that they're capable of playing, take care of the ball just enough I guess. Um, But, um, but, you know, kind of let our stars shine and, you know, Taylor was just fantastic in that game. CJ did his thing. CJ's really been really great the last uh, month and a half of this season, I'd say. Um, And, uh, and it was, it was just a dominating win. I mean, we kind of started out a little bit slow, like we tend to do, um, but uh, didn't get phased, went on a run and, um, and just were able to finally, come out in the second half and just kind of close it out and kind of close the door. So uh, it was, it's always great to beat the Gators, but uh, in that fashion and kind of a dominating fashion in the postseason, that was just great. Uh,
2: A nice bounce back game for Taylor Hendricks. He didn't perform so well in that loss to to Memphis. How much have you enjoyed seeing him grow and develop over the course of the season?
4: Uh, It's, it's just been a joy to watch. I mean, um, you've seen, we've seen some talented freshmen come in here um, in years past. Um, But what uh, nobody, nobody has, as highly touted as him, obviously. Um, But the way that he came in so highly anticipated, you know, um, and just performed so well. And then I think one of the more impressive things about him to me is that he never seemed to hit the, freshman wall um he actually got stronger as the season went on which is I I think one of the reasons why his draft stock kept kept going up and up and um and honestly I I think one of the one of the reasons why we've had um up until this point hopefully we save it but uh you know a a bit of a disappointing season is because we haven't really run the offense through him I, I always I kind of this season is a lot of what it could have should have, I think, um, and I think one of the one of those biggest question marks for me of what this season could have been is how good he, um, how much more he could have shown us if the offense was you know run through him, um, if he touched the ball every time he every time we came down the court, and um, uh, I've just been really impressed with him, and and I, I think on top of that, um, you know what I was talking about with the offense running through him. He 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 has gotten everything that he's gotten um, just mainly off of hustle points and picking his right spots and um, and he gets his teammates involved in the offensive end when he, when he needs to he takes good shots and um, and then obviously he's just fantastic on the on the defensive end as well he's just a total package and I can see why he's gonna be more than likely a lottery pick.
1: Ben, to me, Darius Johnson has regressed a little bit from his freshman season. What did you see watching Darius play this year?
3: Yeah,
4: I I, I definitely, it, it's kind of hard to disagree with that, Adam. Um, he, I think, you know, the injury kind of got him off to a, a little bit of a disappointing start, obviously. I think that he put in, you know, he's the type of, guy that seems to me that he puts in a ton of work in the offseason you know really wanted to improve his shot I think that was one of his things that he really focused on in the offseason um and then to get injured in the in the you know opening camp there the kind of preseason there um I, I think that really kind of just started him off on the wrong foot and um even though he came in in his first action and just just kind of took over in the second half of that game um, that, you know, his first game out, his first full game out. Um, I think uh, I think while he's had um, a pretty good season statistically as far as assist to turnover ratio, I think a lot of that has to do with that kind of late season stretch where he was not turning the ball over well in the, in the games that we were able to pull out. Um, he was doing pretty well there, but Um, You obviously saw, saw that in the Memphis game and the AAC tournament that he had eight turnovers, which is, it's just, it's just a non, it's, it's uncharacteristic of him to a point, but some of those were just really bad. And then, and then, and then, um, and then in the Florida game, uh, there was a couple of really errors that I thought that were almost unforced. Some of the errors in in the, in the backcourt that he just kind of passed it to the other team and. So I think he's getting a little bit ahead of himself right now, uh, might be in his head a little bit, um, but hoping he can kind of pick it up and finish out this season strong. But uh, I, I I, unfortunately haven't seen as much from him as as I would have liked. And maybe it's a, maybe it's, you know, has something to do with playing, playing across, you know, playing with a counterpart that is impressive in in Taylor and just not quite figuring out how to uh, work him into the offense, but also uh, how to work with him in the offense. So I'm hoping he can finish this season strong and then, and then, and then we'll see what happens uh, the rest of the way.
1: When we think about this season, Ben, I think the one thing we're going to think about is missed opportunities, right? We had a lot of games were down the stretch, you know, we could have closed games out and we just didn't. Some of them got really wild like that, that game at Memphis, you know, sometimes some head scratchers, you know, like not boxing out on, on the road at Temple, at some point in time as a player does that become part of the psyche where you just start to see that 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 clock winding down that score getting close and just some of those bad thoughts start to you know creep in your mind Do you think that explains anything that we saw in terms of the the night's struggle to close out games late
4: so i i it absolutely does as a player i i think that um Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I th- it's, uh, sorry. Uh, but uh, it actually does as a player uh, where it can, you know, creep into your in your head a little bit, um, as, especially when the game gets tight down the stretch and you kind of think to yourself, oh, man, is, is this going to be another game that, you know, just didn't doesn't quite work out for us? Um, you know, is what's going to happen this time? Right. Because we always uh, as as we've said to each other, we, we've kind of invented ways to lose you know uh, this uh, this 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 year so um I think it does it can creep into the psyche what I have seen though from this team and it kind of worked out well for us in the early uh, in the opposite direction the early season and where we got some close wins and we kind of felt like we were going to win those games and I think that helped us you know in close games against Oklahoma State and some others Um, where we kind of felt like we could win those close games. Um, But uh, I I think, you know, just some crazy, I I don't want to call it bad luck because um, I think what happened to us, not, not, it wasn't necessarily evident of, of, uh, obviously we remember the, the end of the game, right? Like at Temple, right? Um, We, we remember the end of the game at Memphis and what happened at the end of the game, but we, you know, quickly forget that I believe at Memphis, if I'm not mistaken, we were, we were down big early, right? Like we had to come back in these games and, you know, those stretches, especially in the first half where we might get a silly turnover and then we kind of, and then we kind of give up a basket and then we turn the ball over again. And so all of a sudden it's like a six or eight point run. And then, um, and then, you know, Johnny has to call a timeout that he doesn't want to call in that moment. And, and it kind of, you know, and then we have to claw our way back into those games and it's close late. I think that contributes to it as well, where, um, you know, a lot of those games weren't necessarily, they were lost in the last minutes, but they would have been a lot different if we would have performed out of the gate. And so I was worried about that last night's game. Um, But, uh, but uh, luckily they went on that run kind of at the 10 minute mark and, and, and kind of put it away from there. But, I think we were down nine-two uh, to start that game. So, well, Ben, let's put a wrap on it with this. Uh, Knights get back from Gainesville
2: late on Wednesday night, a full travel day. Thursday, long road trip to Eugene, Oregon. What do the Knights need to do, and how tough an out are the Ducks in
4: Eugene? Yeah, I think I, obviously that's uh, that's going to the opposite end of the country, right? So um, certainly, I don't want to discount that. Uh, that's going to be a difficult road to go um in probably one of the worst looking courts on the country uh, and, and go and go play go they give play that roller oregon. coaster court a little bit of a, a ride right? yeah they give it a run for their money there's no doubt about that uh but um but if i'm not mistaken at least at least in the game the other night and i'm not sure uh, how bad the injuries are but um they the oregon didn't play with a couple of their starters um they've got a uh, a big man that's really, you know, it leads them in points and rebounds that uh, I don't think played the other night. I don't know how bad his injury is. I'm not, I'm not up to speed on Oregon basketball too much. Um, that being said, uh, so if he plays, it might be difficult for us just because I felt like that was that contributed. We were, we were great on the glass the other night. Um, and obviously Taylor was able to kind of do his thing because he was able to use his lane. Um, and, yeah. And so I'm hoping that maybe that's the case and we kind of get lucky again with, uh, with two big men in a row uh, being out for, for the teams that we're playing against. But um, I think that, hey, I, I think we always have a chance no matter who we're playing because we play such good defense. It's just a matter of are we going to be able to execute enough on offense uh, to, be able to, to be able to get this done. And so uh, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for us to play sound. Um, try to get in some good offensive sets, try to get Taylor the ball or CJ the ball in the right spot so they can either create for themselves or for their teammates. And and I think that we're going to give ourselves a chance at the end, um, but it's just a matter of are we going to be able to have enough for 40 minutes to pull it out, and I, I'm hoping that's the case. Ben Stout, we thank you for being with us on Sons of UCF Live. You tell
2: your lovely wife I said hi, and I'll see you out at John Juliano Park soon
4: yeah absolutely guys it's it's great to join you. I appreciate you having me on and uh, and hopefully we can uh, pull out some more basketball wins and then, and then uh, finish out the spring sports strong. All right thanks Ben have thanks, a great man. night. all right see you guys.
2: All right. In addition to, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Leo's report on the uh, win over the Gators on the Suns YouTube channel, be checking out twonightsmedia.com. My friend John Weiss will have a preview article up on Oregon. We'll have that out to you soon. Uh, Just around the corner, you know, basketball still continuing, but we've got spring football that starts uh, just a couple of days away on Monday. And, uh, you know, I asked, uh, in addition to quarterback battle, which I love the comments, is there really a quarterback battle? What position group are you most looking to? And all kinds of responses. Everybody's looking at everything, Adam. What about you? Is there a particular thing? You know, we're not going to learn anything. Coach Malzahn and staff aren't going to tell us anything this spring. But if you were looking at something, what are you most looking to uh, during spring camp?
1: Yeah, I think it's the secondary and the linebacking court, Trace. Obviously, we lost some some guys in the portal. We brought a bunch of kids in from the transfer uh, portal ourselves, uh, but a new unit kind of coming together. So I think the defensive side of the ball, particularly that second-layer uh, linebacker DB, I think who's who's going to step up there, who has opportunities, and then how does that defense look under new a new defensive coordinator, Addison Williams? I think that's a, a big storyline. But I think the biggest, the juiciest, Trace, is really just the entire offense. What does a Darren Hinshaw-led offense look like? How different is it from Gus Malzahn? and which skill position players fit that system the best. I think I don't think we'll learn that in the spring game because I think we'll keep some stuff under the vest, but I think those are the two biggest things on my mind as we think about spring spring camp coming up.
2: And of course, how does quarterback and center fielder for the baseball team John Rice Plumley split his time? We know what he has said so far, but now we're going to have actual practices in the morning and leading up to that spring game and so, you know, the way he divides up his time is going to be interesting as well.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think uh, everybody from uh, from Greg Lovelady to Gus Melzahn to JRP himself has said they're going to figure out a way to make it work. So I I think they will, but what toll would that take on JRP's body? Obviously, baseball's in the midst of a good season. Are you okay, by the way, Trey, There seems to be a lot of noise where you are. Is there some sort of a... Uh, There's activity in- uh,
2: around okay. me, Adam. <laughs> okay.
1: Just want to make sure if you need help, just let. I'm not near you, but just let us know. We'll send somebody. Um, you know, baseball obviously in a big run right now. They need JRP. RP in center field. He's actually played a, a, really, a pretty big role. So, what's going to happen? I think with both sides, we'll be curious. But everyone seems committed to it. So, let's see if the, let's see if they can work it out.
2: Follow me on Twitter at SignPez. I will have uh, video clips from practice and, of course, sound bites, and we'll have more coverage and talk a little bit more about what we may have learned over the first couple of days on uh, next week's Sons of UCF Live Pro Day announced Wednesday, March 29, 4 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. The more interesting thing, I think, is that the Big 12, uh, new Commissioner Brett Yormark, continues to make waves. They're inviting all teams, including the new ones, for next year's Pro Day, I'm going to be in the Dallas Cowboys training facility, uh, televised on NFL Network. Uh, you know, we've had Mike Resco for a number of years now with the AAC, and a couple of months more as commissioner and being a part of that AAC. But I've really been impressed how Brett Yormark continues to look at things in a different, uh, different way.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he's obviously a quote unquote outsider to the college athletics world. And I think that's, you know, when, when you think about diversity in some cases, right? Diversity of thought is another huge item. Him coming in with that background, I, I think, has added some wrinkles to it. And and we'll see if it pays off. We'll see if it inspires kids to, you know, to come to Big 12 schools and if it builds the brand even even stronger. Uh, but to your point, yeah, you, you got to tip your cap for someone trying something different and uh, and and trying to be a little bit innovative. It's been a long time since we've seen some of that stuff at UCF. I think we had some of it for a while there. But it's good to see now uh, the conference sort of leading the charge on that because that certainly wasn't a Resco's strength.
2: True. Uh, quick season ticket update, 98% sold, 831 tickets remaining. Got to feel good about that, right? <laughs> we just in March. It seems like they are going to be moving towards a sellout. You know, beating the Gators nice in basketball – Beating the Florida State Seminoles twice in two game two days uh, at John Yuliano Park in baseball, also very nice. Uh, Knights now twelve and five. Beat FSU six three Wednesday fourteen three on tuesday big shout out to nate marrero sports editor at nsm today mentioned that i was going to be on the road for work in st louis and he said how can i help you out and he he was there collecting sound bites and uh and let's hear from head coach greg lovelady talking about the pitching performances in the uh, sweep over florida state
1: really good to see the pitching staff step up the last couple of games so just got to keep it up um you know big weekend against Dartmouth. we got to find a way uh, to continue this win streak and, and win some more games
2: and one of those pitchers was uh, Jacob Marlowe. Uh, let's hear from him on his win over Florida State.
4: I feel like there's, I had a lot more confidence out there knowing that I can be a starter. And uh, being out there against FSU is just a great experience overall.
2: Like Jacob's performance. Let's bring in Stephen Branca, part of the broadcast crew on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Stephen, a sweep over Florida State. Let's begin there before we go back and talk about the, uh, the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. It felt good to get off to Schneid there and get the wins over the Seminoles.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Anytime you can beat uh, an ACC school but a, a Power 5 school in the state, I mean, that's huge. Um, you know, it's just UCF has always felt like the little brother to those teams. And – In recent years, putting up those W's against those teams has been huge, Uh, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I'm not a part of the team anymore, but it feels like it at least. So uh, it was pretty cool to watch them put up 20 runs in a couple days against uh, a pretty good FSU team. So uh, they played really well.
2: And they get a good performance from Jacob Marlowe as well, pitcher Don Stagliano, and head coach Greg Lovelady still trying to figure out what his weekend rotation is going to look like. There are some good arms on this team, though.
5: Yeah, I asked him after the game, too. I was like, man, is this what you've expected out of these guys? Is this just a one-off? And he's like, we were seeing this all fall from these guys. And so this is what they expected. They had, you know, a few hiccups here and there. But Don Stagliano, I said at the broadcast, he's one of the best pitchers in the country when he's on. And I talked to him about that after the game as well. I said, hey, I mean, I, I made this quote. Like, don't don't prove me wrong here. He's like, no, I I got you. And, and so – He's got me at this point. Uh, otherwise, we're gonna have a conversation. But uh, he's really, really good. These guys, both guys, were were mixing really well. Uh, they didn't have to rely on their fastball. You were seeing more changeups out of these guys, which is is their best pitch. Both of those guys, their best pitch is changeup, and so we got to see more of that out of them. It was it was a lot of fun to see them pitch and not just try to blow guys away with fastballs. It was it was the first time I felt like we saw those guys. Uh, really just working on their craft and not just trying to be power pitchers because I don't think that's what they really
1: are. Steven, let's go back to the weekend, the Troy series. Uh, Sunday, you were th- you were there, of course, and there was an interesting call, a controversial call. Ben McCabe, quote-unquote, drops the ball. The out wasn't, wasn't given to UCF. Obviously, things kind of unravel after that. What did you make of that call? Have, have you seen that? What, it, it, what is the rule in that situation? Is there a defined rule for, you know, is this like football possession to the ground? What is the rule on stuff like that?
5: I mean, it's I've I'm going to be honest, I've seen some of the worst umpiring I've ever seen already this year. It's been really bad. And uh, I'm usually not the type to say something about it in a broadcast, but I've said multiple times now that this is there's just bad calls left and right at this point. Um, robot umpires here we come but uh (laughs) it was it was definitely an out i mean if you go back and you look at the replay mccabe is reaching into his glove to pull the ball out and then it falls out like he's on his back for a good three four seconds before he tries to pull the ball out of his glove he drops it and he calls him safe like it was it was ridiculous to be honest it was it was a really bad call in a really big situation in baseball, you try not to say, "Hey, this is the one play that it comes down to." Obviously, that game would have kept going on, but there was other mistakes earlier in the game that, you know, they didn't capitalize with runners on base in a few spots, and uh, they had bases loaded, I think, a couple times. They couldn't drive in a run, but you know, it's it's a big situation, a big spot. It's it was a, it was a pretty
1: bad call. All right, take me into a place I've always wanted to be, Stephen. I've always wanted to be the manager charging out of the dugout to get in the Empire's face. You've been a coach before. What, what's, what's said in that moment? Is it, hey, you got it wrong? Are you looking for clarity? Are you angry? What's said in that moment when you're chest to chest with the umpire?
5: Man, this is a family show, isn't it? I can't say yeah. that for that stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, um, no, it's No, it's, it's first and foremost, you're trying to understand what the umpire's perspective was and what they saw, because you want a clear understanding of what they saw. And usually if you're running out there, you're pretty sure that they saw it wrong. So you want them to admit that they saw it wrong first and then you just throw it in their face basically. And so, (laughs) uh, you know, you want to hear their side of it first. You want to give them a chance to speak. You can't jump to conclusions as much as you want to. Sometimes you want to know what they saw first and then you kind of have to, you, 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 Hey, this is what I saw. This is what I experienced in this case. But a lot of times, uh, you never see eye to eye with those guys. So tempers start to flare and there's, uh, there's a lot of things that are said in those situations that, um, a lot of people don't need to hear. And so we'll, we'll leave it at that. I mean, it's a, uh, it, it gets heated sometimes. Uh, I mean, I was, I've been in a couple of those and it's um, it's an ego thing for a lot of guys. So uh, try to leave your ego at the door, but uh, that's really hard for umpires sometimes.
1: Well, have you ever been uh tossed from a game, Steven? Have you ever been sent to the showers early
5: as a player? I have. Yeah, I, I have. Um, I got hit in the head one time and uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that, that that happened. So, uh,
2: <laughs>
5: yeah, uh, benches cleared and, and things happened. But no no punches were thrown. Uh, some words were said. But, uh, you know, I, I ended up okay. So we're all good.
2: You're so mild-mannered, though, when you join us and when you're on the broadcast. <laughs> you know, we turn to you for expert analysis. Let's just talk about these Saturdays. It's the powder blue Citronaut uniforms, right? We just got to yeah. burn these things. This is why Saturdays in the first inning in particular. Or just yeah,
5: I, I text the equipment manager in the middle of the broadcast and I said, We got to burn them. Like, literally, first inning, I'm like, So burn did John
1: Giuliano.
5: <laughs> I know, I heard somebody else text me after that was like, Hey, he just said the same thing. You got to burn these things. And I was like, Oh man, here we go. Uh, but
2: you get the Friday wins and then the Saturdays just. I mean, even in the win over Siena, that was late, and that was not a great performance on that Saturday. What is, what is the mindset? And You know how baseball is. It changes inning to inning, pitch to pitch, but day to day certainly. How do you make sense of what you've seen on Saturday and then five errors on Sunday?
5: Yeah, I don't know if it's just a uh, you're on the high from having such a good game on Friday because that's what we've seen, right? We've seen a really good game, well played on all ends for UCF. And I don't know if you're riding that high into Saturday and that just it's just a letdown. I have no idea because the other thing is that we're seeing is on Saturdays, a different team is showing up in the other dugout. Like Troy was not the same team Friday that, that showed up Saturday, you know, and that's the same thing was true for Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern didn't hit nearly as well as they did when they came out on Saturday. So you're seeing – nor since they left Orlando right in
2: these cases
5: <laughs> right so I think you're gonna see that these teams that we we've lost to on Saturday especially are teams that are really good baseball teams uh, so you wish you could have taken two out of three because you kind of let them slide on on Sunday in in both of those cases but it's it, it's got to be a letdown but also it's it's the ramp up from the other team after losing on Friday, uh, they come back a different team. And that's that's a, a tribute to those coaches and what they're able to do to motivate those guys and uh, and get them going. So,
2: Well, on the counter there, then what can Coach Lovelady and his staff do? And all these players know, you know, obviously that first game, they were caught by surprise with the bad first thing. but then yeah. they go into this next Saturday and it happens again. What do you do assuming they get a win Friday night uh, going into Saturday?
5: You pitched Dom Stagliano. I mean, <laughs> so... So you, you're um,
2: interested in seeing him move into the, to the rotation?
5: Yeah. yeah, I think that has to happen. I don't think it'll happen this week, and I think you'll see it against Maryland, though. No. Um, we were going into this past this this past Tuesday thinking he was only going to throw a couple innings, and then you could see the conversation happening between Mike Murath and Greg Lovelady to where the importance of Tuesday's game and winning that game and making sure you win that game, and as well as Dom was pitching, they just left them in but he was only supposed to throw a couple and kind of go the bullpen the rest of the way. And it was to get him in the rotation for the weekend. It sounded like, and so they scratched that plan and basically what it sounded like, hopefully they're not taking Dartmouth too lightly, but they figured out that, Hey, we could figure it out during Saturday uh, instead of trying to bring him back so soon. And then maybe have him throw a couple innings on Sunday or something like that. And eventually, you know, just work him
1: right back into the weekend rotation like he was at the beginning of the year. Steven, Kyle Kramer picked up his third save the other day. What do you like about him coming out of the bullpen?
5: Yeah, it's a quick arm, uh, short arm slot. So when you have a short arm slot, it's it's less reaction time for the hitters. Uh, So you're used to seeing guys with a long arm action to where, you know, you got some time to pick up the ball and figure out where it's coming from he has such a short arm action that three pitches that he throws are all coming out of the same slot. And, and it's, it's electric stuff because it gets on hitters so quick. I mean, not only is it the low nineties that you're seeing a fastball out of him, but I actually talked to him at the beginning of the year. And I, I told him, you know, you're, you're a lot better when you use your change up more. And then he came up to me after the game the other day and was like, hey, I use my changeup more. And I was like, yeah, I could tell. And it was it was just dominating when he has three pitches. You, it's not often you see a closer with three pitches. Usually you got a two pitch pony on the back end. It's fastball slider and everything's hard. And so with him to have that changeup that he could mix in, it's it's just a, another asset that most most closers don't have. But he's been amazing to watch.
1: All right, Mike's not here, so I feel like it's my job to take this year off the rail, Steven. So uh, March Madness going on now. Are you a bracket-filling-out kind of guy? Do you have a team that you're rooting for? Do you have brackets? Are you been watching all day long? What do you make of the upsets? Give me a March Madness breakdown.
5: I'll tell you what, Madness has has ensued already. It's starting. Um, a few brackets broken already, you know, busted right out the gate with, with this Arizona and Princeton game. My dad's an Ivy Leaguer, so, I, you know, I was – I was watching the game and he was getting excited that an Ivy league team is winning. And uh, so that was pretty cool for, for someone like that, even though it wasn't his alma mater, but Hey, you know, they, they have to root for the conference at that point. It's, you know, you only get one team. So uh, that was cool to see that. But, um, you know, I, I, I filled out a bracket. I got Marquette winning this thing. I felt like they were playing really well going into it. I feel like they have the assets to to go and, uh, you know, do some damage in the tournament. And so, you know that's that was my assessment. I don't know if it's any good. It's usually not any good. So if you pick Marquette, you should probably feel pretty bad about your bracket at this point. But uh, that's at least what I did in the moment. So,
1: are you a root for the underdog kind of guy? And, and some of these fifteen yeah. and and two matchups, one sixteen. Are you always pulling for the underdog? Oh yeah. I mean, I don't, who wants to see the top dog always win? Like I don't want to see that. I want to see
5: these scrappy teams. I mean, I was shocked at, at how well Princeton played today. I mean, they they were an athletic, physical team that that played really well. Got a bunch of turnovers in the second half. I mean, it was they were fun to watch. Like I'd rather watch that than you know just somebody go out there and dominate. So I'm always rooting for the underdog. I mean, UCF's an underdog all the time, aren't they?
2: <laughs> from Princeton and basketball to Dartmouth and baseball, what do you want to see from the Knights? They've got the three at home against Dartmouth and then North Florida. You don't want to look ahead to Maryland in a big weekend series uh, the following weekend.
5: They have to win four. They have to win four this week. And that's if you want to go to the postseason, if you want to be taken seriously, you've lost two series at home recently to good teams. Don't get me wrong. You're at home. you got to win those series. Now you have to win four and you have to go into Maryland and you in that series, you have to you have to go to work. You have to win. I mean, it's it's not, hey, win three out of four and you're sitting pretty and you feel good about it. No, you got to win all four of these. And then you got to go into that Maryland series against another good team, and you got to find a way to take two out of three. So, um, that's my expectation: is you got to win four. So,
2: with Mark Daniels uh, winging his way with the basketball team to Oregon, you're paired up with Eric Lopez, the voice of UCF softball wow. this way This is a A-list. That's group. an honor.
1: Jeez, are you going to get his autograph, Steven? That's an honor. <laughs> I already heard he was coming to me for mine, but yeah, I mean, I guess I get his too. <laughs>
2: That is an A-list crew. What is that? If you only, you know, you you paired with Austin uh, over the weekend,
5: right? I've done games games with Mark. I've done games with Austin. uh, And then there was a guy, Sean Salisbury, that I did games with last year as well. I haven't worked with uh, Eric Lopez yet, but I'm excited to. I talked to Mark today for a while when he was on his way to, uh, actually on his way to campus or wherever it was the airport to, to fly out. He had a long, he's still on day. his
2: way. He's going to be on his oh, way for a gosh, while. I know
5: I text him. I, I felt so Is bad. it planes,
2: him. trains and automobiles for UCF yeah, Men's basketball? They're guy, on a commercial man. flight, right?
5: I, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. That's well, cause they didn't know the scheduling. So they, they, there was a chance that they played on, on Saturday. So, you know, they had to leave quick. And so it was, uh, it was, it was tough for him. I mean, he's, he works so hard and he's so good at what he does. Um, I just I love Mark to death like we become such good friends Uh, and I truly do believe that he and I are the best combo in the country when it comes to baseball I mean I I, there's no doubt about that in my mind Um, but I've loved working with Austin and I look forward to working with Eric as well I know we put together a great broadcast no matter who we throw up there at this point Um, we got great people behind the scenes that do a really good job so but I just feel bad for Mark that he doesn't get to just uh, kick back and watch some baseball now but he's got to fly across the country and He's got a head cold right now. He's got a lot of stuff going on, so I'm praying for the guy, making sure he gets healthy and gets home safely, because uh, you know we want him back here working with us.
2: Well, you heard it from Stephen. Need four wins in these next four games: three against Dartmouth, and then at North Florida on Tuesday. Stephen, have good broadcast with Eric, and thanks for being with us on Suns Live.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. Hey, Stephen, go Marquette.
2: All right. So, do we have consensus to burn the uniforms? I mean, the Saturdays have been bad, Adam first it it's not good just atrocious
1: right it's not good yeah and look i i, I like to be pro citronaut i have my citronaut son's hat on. i now. see that I, I, I noticed that i yeah. try to be pro citronaut but there's something about that saturday and that powder blue maybe if they went like you know uh, white pants and the blue shirt it's, it's a lot of blue all at the same time it just ah blue pants white shirt let's mix it up maybe maybe try a new combo situation
2: I mentioned uh, Eric Lopez. Of course, he's been covering softball. Seven straight wins. Uh, the Knights now 17 and 13. You know they've had a lot of tough games. Haven't won as many as they had hoped. 17 and 13. Now they swept Rutgers, and a doubleheader on Tuesday. Another courtesy here, thanks to ELO for getting some post-game sound with head coach Cindy Ball Malone, who's talking about scheduling another tough road trip before the Knights open conference play with Wichita State.
4: Yeah, I like the momentum that we have going into the weekend, um, and I think. It's just going to be really good for us to play those opponents moving into the beginning of our conference. Um, I think every conference opponent is, it is tough. They're all gritty. It doesn't matter, you know. But there's we're not um, overlooking the fact that we're starting off with Wichita State, who we finished with last year, um, and so we know that that's going to really set the tone for what the conference is going to look like.
2: A tough one now. They they head out to the Oklahoma State tournament. Now, Friday, they play number 22-ranked Arizona State early, 1 o'clock. And then second-ranked in the country, Oklahoma State, a future Big 12 foe. That's at 6. Saturday, again, with Arizona State. Uh, 6 o'clock start. Sunday against number 2 Oklahoma State again. So <laughs> they are really scheduling some tough teams, getting themselves ready for Big 12. But that just goes to show you – what the competition is gonna be like when they move from the American to the Big 12.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I like that, you know, they're testing the team early. Seven straight wins is, is, is nice, Trace, maybe to your point. They're starting to get their groove now. They hit the conference play. Uh, you know, I'd rather test ourselves early, kind of work out the Kings, figure out the rotation, figure out the lineups, and then position yourself to be in a, a spot where you can make another deep run. So I'm willing to forgive the early part struggles and the effort of finding things out. Let's dominate conference play and let's get back to a regional, super regional and, and make a deep playoff run.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, tough schedule. They would have liked to have won more of these, of course, replacing their top two pitchers a year of transition. Just one senior on this team, right? So uh, a young team uh, that will head to the Big 12, but always exciting to watch. So, uh, uh, you know, good luck to the Knights uh, on the road. All right. Hot take
1: time what do we got we got some still, hot takes. still doing these huh okay here we go trace this is from at are underscore... you anti hot takes too you want questions back too it's just a lot of work at underscore all night underscore i don't like reading the at names you did this really well and now you're i'm required to figure this out i can do it um, you
2: want me i can read i
1: got it. no i got it. listen you you asked me to take this on i'm I'm here for you i'm here as a good teammate here not the season we envisioned for ucf basketball but beating the Jortsville lizards last night was that. pretty satisfying trace do you agree with this hot take or one thousand
2: percent scorching hot tremendous agreement i i don't think i've ever heard them referred to as the georgeville lizards that, that is that is solid that is you know i let me if i can find it uh all uh at all underscore uh, underscore all night underscore That's a lot of underscore Actually, of all night. What's I, don't the deal know, I, don't, I don't i don't know if he knew that uh that's miles i believe uh that it's not a and a uh, We're just uh, taking hot takes. But he, he started off with a question. Remember when UCF fans wanted Dawkins gone after a loss to UNC Asheville earlier this season? You can catch the Bulldogs in action as they take on UCLA in the NCAA tournament. So that's uh, that's
1: an interesting question. Is that a, a buzz? I don't know. I don't know what yes. to do with that, Trace. Yes. We didn't rehearse yes. this. All right, capped Vige one. If you had told fans, including at UCF Mike one, not pictured, where in is the beginning Mike? Beginning of the season. Oh, that's season,
2: right, UCF one. that He's not here tonight.
1: At UCF Mike one. In the beginning of the season, that we would be playing in the NIT, they would have indicated this was a successful season. Trace, is that a good hot take or a bad hot take? The two
2: things that have soured people is you can't get swept by the cows. Uh, There's a thousand percent agreement on all of that and play as poorly as they did in Tampa. And you mentioned it, the energy they had in Gainesville, they did not have that energy on their own home court. And when they were 13 and four and when they were last four in or last four out, it changed the expectations on the season. So if those two things, if they'd split, right, they'd have 20 wins. If they hadn't got off to quite the hot start Uh, And you heard Ben talk about running the offense more through Taylor Hendricks. We know about the close losses. You've talked about the psyche on the team. It's just changed the perception. But if you'd gone in with a preseason pick for sixth in the AAC, if you'd said NIT, I think that would have been a reasonable goal for the season. But it changed with the two losses and, and the way they lost other games and just the hot start. So it changed the perceptions for this team.
1: In my mind, no one's goal should ever be to go to the NIT. That should not be something you say when a season tips off, right? I think every fan base, every team, you want to have a set of goal of going to the tournament, winning your conference tournament. So I I don't know that I would have ever said, oh, NIT, that's awesome. That's a good season. I think the thing we forget with all this stuff, and there's another Dawkins thing in here later, which I'll get to. I think the thing we forget with all this stuff is the reason why, you know, there's a lot of, you know, to your point, just disconsensus. I don't think that's a word amongst the fans. Is I, I made that up. Say, I think. say it fast three times. I'd like to hear. It's you. Fine. Disconsensus. <laughs> Dis- disconsensus. Disconsensus. I think it's because we had such low expectations coming into this thing that we were like, ah, we're gonna go eight and you know twenty four. Uh, but what, how did that happen? right? I think we, we, we lowered the bar because other things took place. And I think we just kind of gave that entire thing a pass. So I'm, I'm going to disagree with this hot take because I don't think anyone out here would have said, hey, the NIT is a successful season. I don't know if this is a hot take um, or not. That This is just a comment at the SOTG. I believe that's student of the game. Dawkins haters will move the goalpost race. I don't know I if that's agree. a hot take, if that's a statement, if that's a fact, if that's just Kyle. I agree with him. Typing. All right.
2: I agree with him. Um, Eric Lopez, let's go back on this. Eric Lopez has said now with the NIT win over the Gators that this is a successful season for men's basketball. Do you agree or disagree? Disagree. Disagree. So how many more do they have to win? Is there at any point this turns into a successful season? So the win over think, the Gators. It, yeah. It's funny, right, That that the football win over the Gators – in a meaningless Gasparilla bowl, right? This is, do you find this to be the equivalent? I'm asking a lot of questions here. Do you find this to be the equivalent An NIT victory over the Gators? I mean, we're celebrating this, right? Is it not similar to the football win over the Gators in the Gasparilla bowl?
1: Um, I mean, I guess in some sense, sure, right? You can parallel meaningless bowl game versus meaningless postseason tournament. I guess you could compare both those parallels, but I'm always told whenever I do this argument that I can't compare football and basketball. So I don't know that we can do that here because anytime we talk about resources, football, basketball, people always shout down, you can't compare the two. So I'm going to apply that same logic and say, you can't compare a football postseason bowl situation to a basketball uh, postseason bowl situation. I'd also say that basketball, you get, you know, 69 teams qualify for the damn tournament where there's only four teams to make the playoffs. So you have a little bit more fluidity to to have a decent season and get into a tournament. But again, usually we can't compare uh, football and basketball. So I feel like we need to, we need to not do that here. Here's the thing I'd say about, about um, the Dawkins stuff. Like for me specifically, I'm not a Johnny Dawkins hater. I'm a mediocrity hater. I don't like the fact that we have been a mediocre basketball program for the last couple of years and we can't quite get over the hump. I think a lot of people associate that directly to Johnny Dawkins, but I think there's a whole host of people that have egg on their face as it relates to our basketball program. So I, there are certainly some that I see and I know you see on, on social media trace that don't like Johnny specifically. I'm not a Johnny Dawkins hater. I'm a mediocrity hater. And I want to figure out a way to get us from a mediocre run of the mill program to somebody that can compete for conference championships, both in the American conference, which we weren't able to really accomplish the last couple of seasons and hopefully in the big 12. So I don't know if this is a hot take. I don't know if I agreed with that or disagreed with that. I'll just play both the sounds. because I don't really know what I do.
2: I will say of you, me and Mike, you've been more neutral about this. You, you, you sort of look at it, uh, both sides. I have been, uh, the, Persuasion here that it's not Johnny Dawkins' fault for everything, and 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 I think Mike, we talk about Mike. He wants to win every sport. You know, he, he wants to win. You know, you talk about the NIT not being certainly as prestigious as the NCAA tournament. Uh, Sixty-eight teams in that field for the NCAA tournament, thirty-two in the NIT, hundred spots. 338 what would be the comparable percentage in in football or other sports so they don't put as many teams into postseason NIT is an older tournament than the ncaa tournament the ncaa tournament used to be more prestigious with fewer teams and they open that up and they're talking about even now opening it up to maybe 80 90 schools so you know ucf still in that 100 teams now fewer continuing to play basketball through march
1: on the, on the topic, JP Gilbert making there the we team go. This is who this segment was made for. terrible <laughs> for the trajectory of the pro. Do you want to hit the button for you now, Trace? Yeah, yeah. okay. I didn't know if you want to talk first. Though to first.
2: Earlier on social media, JP and I agreed that we don't like the possession arrow, uh, in a basketball game. So uh, I've been trying to find a couple times this week. He and I have agreed about politics, about basketball. Uh, no, I, I find him, Dolly Drama, some others, Mike, certainly that to me this week have come off saying they'd almost wish UCF uh-huh. would lose, uh, that they didn't celebrate the win, and then they get back into this mediocrity, and now Dawkins are going to get a contract extension all that. There's no time where I can ever not want UCF to win in any sport at any time. And so beating the Gators to me is very satisfying, And I'm aligned with Elo on this, that I think that there's success in this season, not as much as maybe we had through changing expectations of the season hoped for, but I find success in this season. So terrible take by J.P. Gilbert, who I almost feel is rooting for the Knights to lose to somehow prove his point.
1: I agree with Mario, but I would tell you that the official's ability to throw up a, a straight jump ball is a lost art. And I don't know that I want some of these crooked men throwing balls in the air. That didn't sound great um, and uh, and not doing so well. <laughs> Again, I, I, I think there's some validity to what J.P. Gilbert's saying. If we're, if we're only uh, ascending to the NIT at some point, we have to figure out a way to make bigger goals. Because here's what the NIT also essentially kind of means, Trace. It means that you weren't necessarily a top, two to three competitive team in your conference. And I think that's the space UCF has to be. And obviously the big 12 will change that a lot uh, because there's more teams in the tournament. But if you, that means you're not basically that, that top echelon of, of competitive teams in your conference to get to the NIT. And I think that's something that we have to figure out a way to, to get there. You mentioned the, uh, you mentioned Dolly drama. If Dawkins wins the NIT, Timo will sign him to a long term extension. Is this a good take, a bad take?
2: It's a fine take. Uh, he's got two years left on his deal. He goes into the Big 12. He's got them to 19 wins in the NIT. What I do hope happens, and I think that you, Mike, Dolly, JP, we all agree we want to see more resources for men's basketball. We want to see a greater commitment on the part of UCF Athletics and Terry Mahadra to men's basketball in particular. And I think that that maybe is one positive out of this conversation where we sort of come at it. And, uh, and I think the conversation has evolved that it's not all Johnny Dawkins' fault for whatever the program is he to your point contributes to that but there are other factors and if it can change the energy and the conversation a little bit around men's basketball uh, i think that would be a positive that comes out of this
1: i think mario has started st patrick's Day early this may be the most intoxicated take of the day Hendricks will not be a first round pick trace
2: i I think that's a terrible take i think (laughs) You know, I I think we were all surprised late Sunday night when UCF got the NIT bid. Maybe we weren't paying as much attention as we should because they and their net ranking uh, were, were pretty good. But I, I wanted to see a better final game, perhaps, for Taylor Hendricks in UCF uniform than what we saw. I don't pin that loss uh, to Memphis on him, but just five points uncharacteristic of what has been his season. So uh, he's going to need to do more of what he did uh, in the win over the Gators uh, if UCF hopes to leave Eugene with a win there.
1: Hey. I think this is this is secret agent stuff here by Mario cuz I'm gonna Agree with this. He won't be a first round pick because he's going to come back to UCF. Oh, <laughs> I think that's what right. I think. I think he's putting that in the universe, Trace. I think <laughs> never, uh, never doubt Mario. We're running out of time here. Hugh C. Heff, the Gators were the home team in the Gas Bowl. They hosted the NIT. He thinks the Gators will try to cancel their visit to the Bounce House in 2030. I think there's a very slim chance that game gets played anyway. Just well, how about the of- 2024
2: <laughs> game where they've got Florida State, Florida, Miami, and an a 9 game conference slate? Yeah. I don't Maybe know when most UCFs play in the Gators. Their baseball won't schedule them. Gators won't schedule UCF in baseball anymore, so I don't know when they're playing.
1: Maybe the most scathing take on here. Uh, UCF grad double zero, scorching hot take. Charge on is a cheesy term, and we need to get rid of it. Go easy on me. Again, that's at UCF grad double zero if no. you want to yell at him.
2: No. that's We have so few traditions. And we want to constantly be jettisoning the ones we have. There's a whole move away from the Knights. There was a time when we uh, shook keys and we don't want to do that. Now we don't want to do charge. on what do you want to do? You just want to constantly change and not be united around anything. You don't want black and gold. You want powdered North Carolina blue. Can we not have some tradition at this university?
1: We can probably one of my new favorite follows. By the way, is emptiness says, "Do not go easy on him." Uh, I would argue that way, every can we
2: can we give a shout out uh, to Michael emptiness It was like posting tremendously. Yes, uh, I owe a Michael a hat. Baseball. By the way,
1: I know it's coming. Michael, stay, stay tuned. Oh, that's tuned. good. I was going to lobby
2: for that on the show well, i mean
1: what are you the committee now good you're dude. lobbying for things trace
2: i mean stick well, no, to the he's been working and he's tagging us in and he's yes, promoting yes, things no, we're getting he's... closer to that thousand on the youtube channel he's doing his part he's a good follow he's concise he gives good baseball updates
1: is a good dude. I would argue that every of these things is, is cheesy. Roll, Roll Tide isn't cheesy. War Eagle isn't cheesy. Ch- Fight on isn't cheesy. Every one of these things is uh, is uh, is cheesy. Trace uh, Black and Gold. Guido Florida Atlantic is better in baseball and basketball than UCF. Is that a hot take?
2: Maybe in basketball this season. Let's see it over the long haul. That's my answer to that. I don't know how you want to ding or boo that one, but I need to.
1: I think they're going to kill in the in the American Conference. So I think uh, FAU is going to do a great job. One of our friends of the of, program of Michael Hoffman in
2: South Florida. I'm, well, I'm I don't even are They in there?
1: Uh, one of our friends of the program Michael Hoffman had lunch recently with uh, new FAU head coach Tom Herman. I don't know why. And uh, said he was really impressed with Herman, thinks he's going to do a great job down there. We got time for one more i'm gonna go with this one timo gets hired away by another p5 program before he fires a football baseball or (laughs) men's basketball head coach that's Uh, at ucf underscore blue six two six uh,
2: (laughs) i love that's provocative right um no no
1: so that you you disagree with this take or you don't think timo leaves
2: I do not both. think he. I do not think his, his volume of work thus far uh, suggests that he is a hot power five
1: candidate. I don't think so either. And what I only assume is either JP Gilbert and or UCF Mike's burner account at Pan Huablo. That sounds made up. It sounds completely. I'm not made saying up. it's not. Gus will be on the hot seat at the end of next season.
2: Oh, Mike has him on the hot seat now. JP, yes, by the JP Gilberts and the UCF Mikes, certainly.
1: All right, so you're really you saying it, perfect.
2: <laughs> yes, pawn wobble wa- certainly already.
1: Is it is it pawn Wablo? Do I have that right?
2: Pon wobble.
1: Yeah. Can somebody tell me? I don't. I don't know. All right,
2: so Adam, I'll see you if UCF. Well, you're here every week, but if UCF continues <laughs> to I? win in the NIT, then this will be a UCF Mike free show. I suggest because he doesn't want to talk about UCF basketball success. Just Malays. Negative, you see. I'm, I kid, I kid, Mike. We're just on different sides of this issue. I want to thank Leo for all of his hard work this week. Go to the YouTube channel, check out his recap of the win over the Gators. nightsmedia.com. John Weiss will have the uh, preview of the Oregon game up there. I thank Ben Stout. Good to be reunited on a show with him. I miss talking to him, though I see him on
1: Facebook. yeah Tallest guest we've ever had on the show.
2: <laughs> Tallest guest. That is a. That is Book a it. fun fact. That is a fun fact. And Of course, uh, Stephen Stephen Branca, who we we learned uh, can get a little angry when you get hit in the head, when he gets hit in the head.
1: You wouldn't like Stephen when he's angry.
2: Doing that. Adam, thank you for uh, pushing all the buttons and and getting us on and and for me pulling off in uh, a conference room at a hotel in. Saint yeah, Louis. is there
1: a, is there over under the amount of dead bodies in the room with you currently? <laughs> can, do you can you have any update on your current status here?
2: It never fails. Okay, so hotel Wi-Fi is terrible, you know this, but where the conference is going on, I got strong Wi-Fi, I'm in an empty room, and the the crews that get the rooms all together uh, needed to store right over there about 40 tables. So that was going (laughs) on. Last time I was in a hotel, uh, you didn't know this, but like two feet to my left, a guy was installing a podium while I was delivering Content here on Sons of UCF Look Live. So, always something going on. What so, a true professional
1: all right. Trace For
2: UCF Mike, who is afar, and uh, you, Adam, we thank all of you for joining us for Sons of UCF Live. We will see you next week. First week of spring football camp. Go Knights, everyone.
1: Maybe for the last time, we'll enjoy this one.
5: This is Taylor Hendrickson. Thank you for watching the
1: Sons of UCF. I'm going to miss Good that dude.
0: kid. Sports Social Podcast Network. 18 plus.